Good morning, everyone. That really stirs my heart just because I, I think about the sacrifice that they're that that is represented as they are getting ready to do what they're going to do, pick up and leave for 15 to maybe 25 years and just to see a new work um, sprout. And it's just really a, an amazing thing to see what they're stepping out to do. And I'm excited to be, a, be able to, to, for us to be part of this um, from, the, from the very beginning. Uh, my wife and I met um, the Rimstads probably about five years ago. They were um, doing ministry. And we, as a congregation, we've been supporting the Rimstads for um, almost the last five years now because they were doing ministry at UC Riverside, um, a campus ministry there. And so we had been monthly supporters as a church of, of their ministry, Christian Challenge, at UC Riverside. And then as they sensed God calling them to go overseas and begin training with new tribes, um, we just continued our support of them. They've shared with, with some of you here and, and some of our leaders. And, and as a leadership, we just really sensed this was something that we wanted to get behind to see this work begin and then continue on there. And there's many things that they're going to need. This is just one of the big things is their, is their launch fund to get started. They're going to need support monthly, and they're, they're going to be coming to share in the month of March with our church, and <clears throat> they're really looking for a handful of partner churches, and so we're one of a handful of partner churches who they're asking to come alongside them, and, and um, we really are excited to be a part of, of what they're doing. I'm excited to be able to um, <clears throat> just to introduce even like my own kids to the idea of reaching those who are unengaged and, and what that looked to give them some people that they can meet and know, and then for our church family to do the same thing, to be like praying for um, the Rimsteads as they go, and it, and they're going to need people to go and help build their house. They're going to need people to go, and they've already said, here's some of the practical things that can be done in the years ahead, but this is the very first thing. Um, so that's part of what the international category is. The details are in on that insert as far as where all of that international category will go. Um, but let's pray. Let's pray for them as they're, they're wrapping up their training at New Tribes um, uh, Training Center right now and um, getting ready to transition. So let's pray for them. Father, we thank you for the Rimstads. We thank you for what they're doing and what they're uh, making their lives about, Lord, which really they're, they're wanting to walk by faith, not by sight. And, Lord, uh, what they're doing um, does require a tremendous amount of courage and confidence in you, Lord, even just... Um, faith to see you uh, provide what they need to get there to Papua New Guinea. So we pray that we'd be able to be a part of that. And Lord, you'd move in our hearts, Lord, to be generous, um, to also be faithful to pray for them and the many others that we have come alongside to support um, who who have really stepped out, Lord. We thank you for um, the way that that challenges us, Lord, to step out of our own comfort. And just whether that's stepping across the street or meeting a need, Lord, there's just practical things that you want us to do in response to what you've done, Lord. So we thank you. Guide us, God, as we look to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're, we're in this series called Into Our World, and so far we've looked at um, two different things. One is we looked at the incarnation. Well, the, the whole idea here is that because of the incarnation, because God became flesh, that changes the way that we live our life. So first week we looked at how Jesus stepped into our world and he moved towards humanity. The idea of the incarnation is is moving towards. God stepped into our world. He moved towards us in the flesh as Jesus. Um, 
The pull of our culture, and even sometimes our Christian culture, is to move away from the messy, broken world that we live in. Jesus, he stepped into our world. And so he gave us what we actually need in life. What what do we need? We need grace. Um, We've all blown it in life. We've all made decisions and had choices that have led us to some consequences. And because of that, we need God's grace to carry us through life. We need his forgiveness and his grace to be able to um, spend eternity with him, to have our sins forgiven, paid for. Um, but then it in turn motivates us to, to, to step into people's world as well and to share grace with others. Last week we looked at how he stepped down out of heaven and what that meant, the incarnation, this idea of God. What did he leave? What did he leave in order to, to become a man? So we looked at that last week, how he set aside the rights and the privileges in order to carry out this rescue mission on earth. And so that's a giant step down of humility. The idea of humility really is it's, it's taking a big step down. Jesus took all these major steps down. And so it challenges us also to do that, to approach the Christmas season with um, humility as an attitude, that we would step down and not need to be served in this season, but really look to others and to look for ways to serve other people. Today what we're going to do is really, um, even in light of what that video just shared with this family who's stepping out, we're really going to look at what does it mean to step out? And uh, I want to start with one of the stories in the, the, uh, the, the wise men story. But um, before we look at that, there's a, there's a really, uh, I think, a funny example of this idea that we're going to look at, and especially the incarnation. Um, Andy Stanley, he shares a story of his daughter and trying to put his daughter to bed one night. And she was really afraid. She didn't want to go to bed. She didn't want the lights off. And, and it was time for bed, though. And so um, this whole process of putting a child to bed can be kind of a lengthy process if you've ever tried to do it. And, uh, you know, you shut the lights off. You're like, okay, we're here still, but we're not going to be in here anymore. You know, but we're going to be here, but not here. And so you shut the lights off. You might have night lights or whatever. But as soon as you leave, there's that whimpering you hear. And you're like, oh, and you can be this back and forth into the bedroom thing over and over well he's having one of those scenarios and and he said that she was so afraid and so you know he began to explain to her that god is always with you god is always with you and he is here to protect you even now and she agreed with him and she said yeah i agree but she said something like but i want someone with skin on i know he's here but i want i want someone in the flesh And really, he uses that as an example to talk about the difference it made that Jesus came in the flesh. Um, This was more than just um, an idea, but it was actually in reality God stepping in to their world. The fact that God himself did that in the person of Jesus Christ, he stepped into this messy, broken world. He lived among his people. He died. He was buried. He was risen. That is where our hope is found. He is still alive, and because he's alive, that means he's available to help us even now. And it pleases him when we give grace to people. It pleases him when we humble ourselves. It pleases him when we identify with with Christ. It pleases him when we grow in generosity, like we're talking about the Christmas offering. These, All of these different things are action steps that require faith. If you decide to follow Jesus, then he's going to lead you to take steps 
He's going to lead you to obey Him with real, tangible faith steps. Some of those are maybe baby steps where you're just like, okay, this, this was a giant step. But it, maybe you'd call it a baby step. Others, there's these giant faith leaps where, you know, it's like the Rimstads. They're moving from, you know, Riverside and, and the comforts of this country to Papua New Guinea. They're about to build a house. Um, now, some of you probably can build a house, a, a few of you. Most of us can't. They couldn't either. They've been, they've been learning. How do we build a house? How do we live off the land? How do we, how do we um, you know, electricity, how do we do all these things that we're going to need? And so they've been learning about generators and electricity and construction and, and food preparation and food stores and all of these things that they're going to need. They're going to need a landing strip. They're gonna, there's all of these things that we're like, that blows our minds when we think about what this family is about to do. Well, to me, as I think about that, that's a giant faith step. But it's, just, it's a step out. Well, all of our Christian life, God is going to lead us to take action steps. Not just to think about it, but to take those bold steps. Here's what I know. If you only do things that you can do on your own power, then you never experience God's and His power. Because you don't need it. If all we do is play it safe in life, then you never really see God come through. He does work, but when, when we take no risks, we just we rely on ourselves, then we don't get to see the joy of God providing, protecting, empowering, reaching. I want to look at a familiar story of, or part of the Christmas story, the example of the wise men. See how this works even in their life. And here, here's a, uh, just a picture of the nativity scene. I don't know if this might resemble something that you have in your house, a nativity scene. We always like to talk about how if we're going to keep it accurate, we should move the wise men away from the nativity scene. And kind of, they can be in the nativity scene, but they need to be a little bit of a distance away because they're really on route. They're really not there sharing in the occasion with the shepherds, you know, according to the story. So we like to say you've got to kind of put them away. So if they're on the table, put them far away in the table so you can say, yeah, they were on the journey there. Um, there wasn't all, you know, just this one holy night like this. And so, and we're going to look at the text so that you can, and maybe that's the first time you ever heard that. But we'll look at the text together. Uh, we're not really given too much detail on the number or the identity of the wise men. There's some clues in the scripture that we draw out. Um, but the word in the original language of the Bible is the word magi. So these were the magi. History tells us that the magi were Eastern astrologers, okay? And they were experts in interpreting dreams. So let's look at the account from Matthew chapter 2. It's in your listening guide if you want to follow along as well. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? They're looking for this newborn king. For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. So these men, they saw this star rise, and it was a peculiar star, and it prompted them to take action. They traveled a great distance to come and to honor God in this way. The journey itself was likely very challenging. The people, the Magi were from the east, and so God showed them something, and they responded by taking action. They actually left. They, they had to take a step in order to, 
to go and worship and to bring these gifts. And, and they, they could have just talked about, wow, this is fascinating. Something's happening. That No, they actually didn't just talk about it. They responded and took steps in faith. Um, that's what happens. When God shows us something or when God guides us towards something, we're to take steps out. We're to respond. Look at verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, he heard the news that there was a king born, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. Now it says, it's interesting, all Jerusalem was troubled with him. Why were they troubled? It's because Herod, Herod I keep saying Herod when I say this. <laughs> Herod, he was a ruthless man. He was a ruthless man who was trying to protect his own power and rule and, and right to be there. But he had constant insecurities. And so um, because he was insecure, when he heard the news, he was troubled. Now all Jerusalem was in trouble because when Herod isn't happy, then the, the kingdom is not um, a peaceful place. So there, it throws kind of Jerusalem into a state of panic. And it says, And assembling, he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people, and he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So he gathers the Jewish religious leaders. Because the Jews believed that God would send the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ. And so he gathers these leaders. Where is this supposed to happen? And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. Now Herod, he was appointed the governor of of Judea by the Roman emperor. He'd been governor up at this point for 34 years, but he was an, he was still a very insecure leader, okay? He was fearful that he would lose his power. Um, he had ruled for 34 years, but still he was afraid. And so he would maintain his rule by ruthlessly stomping out any competition to his um, to his leadership. And so when he heard about this threat, the one who'd been born king of the, Jew, of the Jews, he he just scrambled to really assess this threat. He scrambled to get some people together to figure out what needs to happen. Look at verse 7. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and he ascertained from them what, the, what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Now this was just a trick. He makes it seem like, oh, you know, I want to join you in this worship time. Um, but this really is, was his intent to potentially find out where the baby was in order to murder um, this newborn king. After listening to the king in verse 9, it says, They went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came over the place where the child was. Now, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they're already in a house at this point, so they're not in the manger scene anymore. Now they're in a house. Okay, This is why we, we um, know that it's not at the same time that the shepherds were there. Um, so in going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. There's these three gifts, which is why we often say that there was three wise men, but we really don't know how many wise men there were. Um, there may have been lots of, 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 of each of these gifts, and so it may have required servants. And so there could have been this entourage of people coming to worship. But 
Um, they bring these different gifts. Um, and at this point, they describe Jesus as a child, and so um, he's no longer this baby. The word in Greek there it refers to a child, and so it's a little bit later from his birth. Then in verse 12, it says, And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Um, they honored Jesus with these gifts. Uh, this statement is kind of a key statement. When they heard from God in a dream to disobey Herod, um, they went around Herod and they put themselves at great risk. Verse 16, later on, it tells us that Herod, when he, when he learned that he'd been tricked, he was furious. And so, But God sends these wise men to... Wise men to give these extravagant gifts. You give extravagant gifts to worship someone who's royal. And so they're coming to worship the king. And this is an example, just another example of of people who step out in faith to do what God says. When it comes to stepping out in faith, they could have just, I mean, they could have just thought about it, talked about it, and said, man, this is exciting news, and went on with their lives. Instead, they, they, they got into action. Now, this is an interesting pattern of stepping out. God moves us causes us to step forward. Jesus led the way in this. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. This idea of doing more than just talking about our faith, but actually acting on our faith. Look at what the, what the Apostle John writes. This is 1 John three sixteen through 18. It says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. John's talking about Jesus who laid down his life His life was sacrificed. He willingly gave up his life as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. And that sets a pattern for us. He laid down his life. We ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. See, this is an action. Verse 17. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? You see, Jesus had the ability to meet the needs of the world. It was within his power to meet their needs. And now verse 17, John's saying, look, if any of us has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and does nothing, how can the love of God that rescued us be in us if it's not propelling us to meet the needs of others? And it says in verse 18, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Saying it's got to be more than just talking about it, but we need to act on it. We need to do something with it. Jesus' own example makes it clear that loving others is something we do. Loving people is something we do. It's not something we feel. It's something we actually do. The wise men, they, they showed this. They stepped out and they gave what was costly. They did something. They took action. The Rimstads, they, you know, their example. They're people who love God and they love people. And they're stepping out. They sense God moving them out of this area, out of this country, out of their comforts. They're moving all the way to Papua New Guinea to live among an unreached tribe for the next 15 to 25 years. Again, they're stepping out. If we follow Jesus, then the pattern is he wants us to do the same thing. Christ's followers, we take action to show love to others in faith. Christ's followers, take action. To show love to others in faith. This is the pattern that we're to live out. John, he drives home this important point by saying, in verse 18, it's not just enough to talk about our faith. He's saying, 
It's easy to talk about the love of God, but if all it is is talk, then it's really cheap. It's easy to stay in our head with our faith. It's easy to be theoretical with our faith and to feel things but to do nothing, especially with all the problems in our world. It's tempting to just shut the problems of our world out and almost like cocoon with Jesus. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Cocoon, but here's a, here's a different example, I guess. If you've ever camped, here's a picture of a cocoon. Um, this is a, more of a sleeping bag, but if you've ever camped on a really cold night, like really cold night, and you've got a mummy bag that's rated for the weather, and you're really grateful for it because you can just protect yourself from the cold elements, and you can just zip up the bag and get comfortable and stay toasty. You can leave a little hole for your nose so you can breathe. But you can kind of shut everything else out and just enjoy that night and just just you. You can just be in your cocoon. Well, we can do the same thing in the Christian life where we just kind of zip the world out and the needs of the world. And that's what John's saying. He says, little children, let's, let's not just love with words and talk, but in deeds and in truth. Jesus, he leads us out of that kind of disconnected faith. The incarnation is God's best, or the best example we have that God, you know, he didn't think in this way towards us. He actually stepped into our world. He lived among us in the flesh. He moved towards us. The pattern of the incarnation, the example of the incarnation, sets a way of living for us. C.S. Lewis, he actually points to the incarnation, this idea of God becoming flesh, as the template for all of life. The incarnation is the template, he said, for all of life. Look at this quote. The central miracle asserted by Christians is the incarnation. They say that God became man. Every other miracle prepares for this or exhibits this or results from this. The fact that God moved towards us. He became a man. As people who follow the incarnate incarnate one, you know, his move towards humanity, that shapes us, you know, in a way to move towards people in tangible ways, with action, in love. But that requires real faith that depends on God and his power. If you and I, if we only attempt to do things that we can do on our own, then we never experience God or his power because we don't need it. We won't need it. But, but, but many of us, we want to experience our God who is a real God and who when we step out we see him come through. But there's a real emptiness that accompanies a faith that is only about cheap words and talk. If all we ever do is up in our heads intellectually, if all we ever do is listen to people talk about God or attend group Bible studies where people just talk about God and we're like inspired because we talk more about it and we feel, you know, or we just read the Bible and, and learn what God wants, but we never act. There's a strong pull in our culture to just listen and to learn about God without doing anything at all. And we have to be careful that we're not you know, pulled away into a faith that leads us empty. Because it's just, it's just intellectual. An example of this is seen um, online. You see this online all the time. There's a lot of activism going on online. Some of it really good. But it's easy to get swept away into click activism. Where, and one man he called it slacktivism. Because 
he described, I was reading this book, and he says, you go online, you sign online petitions, you post activism comments on your Facebook page and on your profile because it feels like we're really doing something. Now, you can do something in that way. It's one way to make a difference, but we need to be careful that we don't allow that to keep us from stepping into the world and doing something when needs arise. Loving people in the flesh, serving people in the flesh as God came in the flesh. For some people, online may be the full extent of taking action. You know, we just point and click. I'm in support of this. I'm in support of that. And I put my signature on this. Jimmy Kimmel, he said this about this kind of easy activism. He said, it is literally the least you can do. You almost did nothing, but instead you did just slightly more than nothing. Now, he was poking fun at this. Now, there's, there's value in activism, and there's value in the Internet and how we can, we can communicate things. As much as certain issues in the world need posting, we need to be posting and giving media attention to certain things in the world. But John is saying, don't just talk about loving people. Show it through your actions. Show it through your actions. First John 3.18, little children, let us not just love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. We have to do something. We actually have to take action. Right now it's assumed that you and I can just serve God and love people without ever leaving our house. It's assumed that we can, we can re- meet real needs with just the click of a button. You know, we can take in all this teaching online. We can listen to Christian music and set Pandora up to have streaming just constant worship into our house. All that stuff meets real needs, but if that stuff, all of it is intended to set the stage for actually getting into action, for taking real action steps that God wants us to take. We have to get out of the house. Jesus calls us through the incarnation to step into the world and actually do something. Let's face it, it's easy to get stuck inside of our own world and just cocoon and just shut the world out. But God, he keeps calling us to take steps forward in faith. I want to invite our worship team back up to the stage and and ask you to take out this um, extra insert. This is a list of things that we handed out two weeks ago. It just says, into our world, sharing God's love. I want to invite our worship team also or our ushers to prepare to receive the offering. I want you to take a moment to just talk this issue over with God. Look at this list of of things. If you've been trying to play it safe and just live in a real comfortable zone, he keeps just prompting us to step out. I want to draw your attention just to this list and say, scan through this list. Would you look again at those different tangible actions to show love to other people. We're just going to give you some time. The band is going to play some music, but just giving us some time to respond to God. And what I want to ask you to do is look at this list and ask yourself, what is the top three action steps that you can take that would require the most amount of faith? A couple weeks ago we said, hey, what's one step you can take? And maybe you chose the one that made the most sense. Maybe today identify the top three that require the most faith for you. And then just keep that handy uh, for a few moments. So just sort through this. Circle maybe your top three.